0: welcome to the coming out of the dark bible study with pastor john tonight's study will be in the book of daniel we invite you to join us at one oakley avenue in north providence rhode island this podcast is presented to you by the way ministries supported by listeners like you for donations live videos podcasts and more please visit www.thewayministriesri.org Thank you, and have a great day.
1: ...on all tonight to get a portion of God's Word. Amen. First and foremost, let's give glory to our Lord and Savior tonight. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us, coming into our lives, and forgiving us all of our sins and trespasses, Lord. Never holding anything against us, past, present, and future. Thank you, Lord, for that. Let us always forgive ourselves and others the same way, Lord. As you love us, I'd like to thank all the people faithful to the ministry, one body, many parts. parts. If you have a cell phone, please silence it so it doesn't disturb tonight's study. And as always, we will start with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us this opportunity tonight, Lord, to gather together as your children, Lord, to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord, and learn more and more about you and your ways, Lord, and how you'd have us to live act and think down here, Lord, let us not just be hearers of the word, but let us grow in your grace and knowledge and become doers of the word, Lord, so people can see Jesus in us rather than ourselves, Lord, and we're just so grateful that you give us the power to do that, we pray for the people in the congregation not feeling well, Giselle, George, Doreen, all the ones that, and my brother Wayne and all his friends that are not doing well, Lord, that you touch their hearts and their lives. Reassure them you're with them, you'll never leave them nor forsake them, and there's something to learn in everything that you do in our lives, Lord. Help us, Lord, to always be forgiving and have forgiving hearts. I pray you take all the bitterness and resentment out of us today, Lord, and leave the cares of the world behind, Lord, so we can get a crystal clear message through your word by your spirit tonight, Lord. As always, let everything be led by your spirit and not our flesh. In Jesus' powerful name, amen and amen. All right, we're going to stand. Freddie's going to come up and sing. We are going to get started. from the night to the day into the light hallelujah Hallelujah to that right he rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the light of his dear son all right how's everybody doing tonight all right good to see everybody the weather's been crazy huh it's warmer today it's beautiful like this right just like our emotions
0: yeah right
1: (laughs) today was one of them days I'm like wow good thing I don't follow my feelings man I felt all kinds of weird today (laughs) it was crazy like the devil was all over me All right, let's go to Isaiah chapter 55 I'm glad I'm here halfway point for sure get me back in the right train of thought that world beats us up The devil beats us up in our mind and our emotions. He's always he's all over us. Thank God we got a savior to rescue us from that. All right. Isaiah chapter 55, let's begin there tonight. As always, the Holy Spirit will be taken over as I go into these scriptures. It will no longer be me, but the Lord speaking to the church. So let's clear our minds and our hearts of the day and all the cares of the world and focus on the Word of God tonight, amen? amen? So we can hear what the Spirit is trying to say to the church tonight. It's up to us to stay focused. All right, Isaiah 55, verse 1. Invitation to the Lord's salvation. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink, even if you have no money. Come take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. What are you saying? The word of God is the best food you could eat, amen? Come to me with your ears wide open. You can't eat with your ears, can you? That's why he's saying, Come to you here, that's the Lord, the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is what feeds us. Listen, and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, and I will give you all the unfailing love I promised to David. So he promises all the love he promised to David, to all of us. Wow. See how I used him to display my power among the peoples? I made him a leader among the nations. You also will command nations you do not know, and peoples unknown to you will come running to obey, because I, the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, have made you glorious. Hey, the Lord has made us glorious. Nothing in us, we can't make ourselves glorious. That's for sure. We make ourselves wretched. Look at verse 6. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. So we have to understand, there's going to come a time when people are going to be seeking after the Lord and they're not going to be able to find him. It's going to be a cutoff period before Jesus comes back. Only a certain amount of Gentiles are coming. Then after that, the window's closed. Nobody's going to be able to find God anymore. So that's why it says, Call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God for he will forgive generously. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. And before I go on, his ways, we can't figure God out. And like I said before, there's going to be a certain number of Gentiles that come after that window's closed. Even if people in our family that haven't come to the Lord are not going to be able to find them and come. That's why it's so important to get our family and our friends to Jesus as soon as possible before that window of time closes. Can I get a big amen there. You never know when that's going to be. One day you wake up and nobody's going to be able to find them. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. Right now, God's word is going out, and it is producing fruit, not only here, but around the world right now. Somebody's hearing a message. Somebody's finding salvation through the word of God tonight. We don't even know. We're going to find out when we go to the beamer seat. Remember that day you were preaching that night on Wednesday night, uh, March 1st? Mm -hmm. I got saved that night. I heard your message. I was in Tahiti somewhere, and I just happened to click on it that's how it works we're all part of that by the way not just me the whole congregation will enjoy that it will accomplish all I wanted to and it will prosper everywhere I send it so when the Word of God goes into the believers heart it prospers the believer the believer prospers spiritually where the Word of God feeds them they come alive again no longer cares of the world are not irritating them anymore. It's like I can't just wait to go to church and hear the word of God. I couldn't wait today. I was telling my friend, I'm worried. I can't wait to go to church today. The devil was all up in my head all day long. He was busy and crazy and just—he's around. He doesn't want the ministry to grow. He wants to try to stifle it. But the word of God can't be stifled. Amen. Amen. So we just keep persevering through it all. Thank God I walk by faith and not by my emotions. Thank God that God hearted me and t- taught me. John, don't rely on your feelings. You're never going to feel me. There's going to be days when you don't have, no, not, you know, have nothing to do with me. Because you know? the teacher is always silent during the test. If it's during a test, I'm not going to sense God. I'm going to feel problems and all these headaches, like a separation from God. That's what he does. He pulls his hand back to test us to see if we're going to be faithful to him. Way beyond our feelings. He wants to mature us. Spiritually, to walk by faith, not by our emotions. Oh, I don't feel God today. Like an amen here. He does that. We have to understand his ways. All right. You will live in joy and peace, verse 12. The mountains and hills will burst into song, and the trees in the field will clap their hands. Where once there was thorn, cypress trees will grow. Where nettles grew, myrtles will sprout up. These events will bring great honor to the Lord's name. They will be an everlasting sign of his power and love. He'll turn the desert into Eden. That's what he does. He turns our misery and stony hearts into beautiful hearts of God, of flesh, that love people and care about people and try to bring others into the kingdom. We find our purpose and we use it. We no longer live for ourselves anymore. We see what we can do to benefit others in the church. We have a whole new shift, right? Our perception starts to change the world. We know that whatever's going on out there, we can't change it. So we don't focus on that. We focus on changing us instead of the world. Because we're the problem. Jesus is the solution, and the result is a miracle, amen? It all starts with the heart. He gives us a new heart, heart of love and power and self-control. Amen. All right. Let's break into um, Daniel tonight. Everybody ready to break in? It's been a great book so far, huh? Does everybody know who we are? Uh, chapter five. <laughs> yep. Daniel chapter 5. <clears throat> All right. Chapter 5. The writing on the wall. Oh boy, this is a good one. You hear them sayings all the time out there in the world. You read the writing on the wall and these unbelievers making these quotes and they got it out of the Bible. The writing on the wall. All the stuff in the world is from the Bible. But we don't believe in it. We follow it. Alright. Verse 1. Many years later King Belshazzar gave a great feast for a thousand of his nobles, and he drank wine with them. All right, before we go on, before 66 years had elapsed since the events of Daniel 1, which tells us of Nebuchadnezzar's first strike against Jerusalem in 605 B.C. Nebuchadnezzar died in 562 after a reign of 43 years, okay? Okay. His son, Evil Merodach, ruled from 562 to 560. His brother-in-law, Naraglasar reigned four years from 560 to 556. I'm bringing this up today date here. After a two-month reign by Labashi Madoc in 556 BC, the Babylonian Empire continued from 556 to 539, under the command of Nabodonius. Now, Belshazzar was the son of Nabodonius. He reigned alongside his father from 553 to 539. Archaeologists have discover, discovered Belshazzar's name on several documents. Okay, He ruled with his father Nabodonius, staying home to administer the affairs of the kingdom, while his father tried to reopen trade routes taken over by Cyrus and the Persians. Belshazzar was in charge of the city of Babylon when it was captured. Verse 2. While Belshazzar was drinking the wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver cups that his predecessor, um, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. He wanted to drink from them with his nobles, his wives, and his concubines. So they brought these gold cups taken from the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem. Imagine the nerve for taking God's stuff. Right? And the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. Right? They had no fear of God. While they drank from them, they praised their idols made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. So they were worshipping other gods out of God's cups. There's a lot of lessons to be learned here. We're not done yet. Pay attention now. Suddenly, they saw the fingers of a human hand writing on the plaster wall of the king's palace. I wonder what kind of wine they were drinking. They must have been saying, what the heck is this? Now they've seen a human, a finger. A literal finger writing on the plaster wall. They saw the fingers of a human hand. So they actually saw it. Writing on the plaster wall of the king's palace near the lampstand. The king himself saw the hand as it wrote. And his face turned pale with fright. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Imagine. His knees knocked together in fear and his legs gave way beneath him. He was like, "Um, what the heck is this? Because he must have had an idea what he did. The writing on the wall, he must have said, that's the finger of God. Now, look at verse 7. The king shouted for the enchanters, astrologers, or the Chaldeans, and fortune tellers to be brought before him. He said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever can read this writing and tell me what it means will be dressed in purple robes of royal honor and will have a gold chain placed around his neck. And he will become the third highest ruler of in the kingdom, wow now before we go on Nabodonius was first in command as king and Belshazzar his son was second Okay, the person who could read the writing on the wall would be given third place in command which was the highest position in honor that Belshazzar could offer so whoever could read it was going to be third in charge that's a high honor Now, but when all the king's wise men had come in, none of them could read the writing or tell them what it meant. So the king grew even more alarmed. And his face turned pale. His nobles too were shaken. Okay? Now listen up. Although the writing on the wall contained only three simple words in Aramaic, a language understood by Babylonians, the people could not determine its prophetic significance. Okay, God gave Daniel alone the ability to interpret the message of doom to Babylon. No matter how great the reward offered, The wise men of the kingdom couldn't interpret the message because they lacked God's wisdom. Daniel did not rush into the banquet hall with the others. His loyalty was to God, not to money. Big amen there. Now look at verse 10. When the queen mother heard what was happening, she hurried to the banquet hall. She said to Belshazzar, Long live the king, don't be so pale and frightened. Oh boy. Listen though, <clears throat> the queen, this queen, was either Nabadonius' wife or the wife of one of his predecessors, possibly even of Nebuchadnezzar. She was not Belshazzar's wife because his wives were with him in the banquet hall. So Who knows who this woman was? But anyway, she said not to be pale or frightened. So you know she wasn't from God, that's for sure. Most of the prophets in the Old Testament, when they were living sinful, told them, don't worry about it. Live the false prophets. Don't worry, just keep sinning. Do eat, drink, and be merry. There's no judgment coming. So you know she was sent from the devil. In verse 11, there is a man in your kingdom who has within him the spirit of the holy gods. During Nebuchadnezzar's reign, this man was found to have insight, understanding, and wisdom like that of the gods. Your predecessor, the king, your predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar, made him chief over all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers of Babylon. She had to be reminded of this, because this was 60-something years later now. See, we read the Bible and we think it's all in the same time period. This was 60-something years later. That's why they had to be reminded of what happened to him. This man, Daniel, whom the king named Belshazzar, it's almost getting confused with the same king. Belshazzar. don't confuse them; they two different people. Has exceptional ability and is filled with divine knowledge and understanding. He can interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. Daniel explains the writing. Alright, let, let me get some coffee. My <laughs> brother bought me a turbo. Thank you, bro. I need it. My job is not a very physical job. It's a lot of hard work. Very rewarding, though. All right. Daniel explains the writing. So Daniel was brought in before the king. The king asked him, are you Daniel, one of the exiles brought from Judah by my predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar? He named him by his real name, by the way. There you see it, Daniel. He didn't call him Belteshazzar. I have heard that you have the spirit of the gods within you and that you are filled with insight, understanding, and wisdom. So just on a side note, how can they can tell that he had the spirit of God in him? The way he lived, the way he acted, the way he conducted himself. Just like the unbelieving world should be able to see the spirit in God in a believer. Know that the Spirit of God is in them by the way they live, the way they think, and the way they act. How about a big amen there? Unfortunately, the unbelieving world can't see the difference for many Christians. So Daniel was brought before the king. The king asked him, are you Daniel 13? Uh, One of the exiles brought from Judah by my predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar. I have heard that you have the Spirit of the gods within you and that you are filled with insight understanding and wisdom. My wise men and enchanters have tried to read the words on the wall and tell me their meaning, but they cannot do it. I am told that you can give interpretations and solve difficult problems. If you can read these words and tell me their meaning, you will be clothed in purple robes of royal honor, and you will have a gold chain placed around your neck and you'll become the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Not a bad deal, huh? Now, look, most American people would say, yeah, I'm going to jump on that. Right? Look what Daniel said. Daniel answered the king, keep your gifts. Keep your gifts or give them to someone else. I will tell you what the writing means. Now, before we go on, The king offered Daniel beautiful gifts and great power if he would explain the writing, but Daniel turned him down. Daniel was not motivated by material rewards. His entire life had been characterized by doing what was right in God's eyes. Daniel was not showing disrespect and refusing the gifts, but he was growing older and knew the gifts would do him little good. He had maturity. Besides being the third highest ruler in the kingdom, Daniel knew was about to be destroyed was not exactly motivating. He already knew the kingdom was going to be destroyed, so what would he want to be third in command for? Daniel wanted to show that he was giving an unbiased interpretation to the king. Doing what God wants should be our first priority. Listen now, not gaining power or rewards. Do you love God enough to do what he wants? Even if it means giving up comfort, influence, or financial reward. There's a true believer, heart of God. Could care about the money, could care about the, the notar- any that notoriety, anything. They do the work in the church, they don't want to get noticed. Because they know that their rewards are in heaven. We don't do it to get recognized, we do it because it's the right thing to do. We take care of God's house because he holds us accountable to do it. Not because we want to, oh, look what I did. How come everybody else isn't doing that? You know, the Martha and Mary story. We do it because it's the right thing to do, not to gain reward. All right, verse 18. Your Majesty, the Most High God gave sovereignty, majesty, glory, and honor to your predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar. He made him so great that people of all races and nations and languages trembled before him in fear. He killed those he wanted to kill and spared those he wanted to spare. He honored those he wanted to honor and disgraced those he wanted to disgrace. So what's he saying? He did whatever he wanted to do. King Nebuchadnezzar, he was the most powerful man on the planet at that time. He could do whatever he wanted. And he did. But what did God do? He humbled them, right? Nobody's more powerful than God. <laughs> now, He made him so great. Your majesty, the most high God gave sovereignty, majesty, glory, and honor. Verse 18. He made him so great that people, to fear him, look at verse 20. But when his heart and mind were puffed up with arrogance, he was brought down from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven from human society. He was given the mind of a wild animal. And he lived among the wild donkeys. Now you're talking about the greatest man, from here to right there, so that's what God does to so the proud. He takes the proud that think they're up here and brings them down there. Especially the intellectual Christians that I think that they know it all through their mind. They think they're so smart they got God all figured out. Nobody has God figured out, and you can't figure him out through your intellectual mind or studying. You don't even. Li- you know how you find out about God by living the way He tells you to live. And then he reveals things to you because you're walking in his ways. Not because you're, you're learning through him through him a book. It's easier to find a, try to find God that way. Try to find him through life. When he's breaking you and he's taking you life and seeing him in everything. That's how you learn about God. Through life. Not through a book. Can I get an amen here? Look at what it says, The Most look at verse 21, he was driven from human society, he was given the mind of a wild animal, and he lived among the wild donkeys, he ate grass like a cow, and he was drenched with the dew of heaven, until he learned that the most high God rules over the kingdoms of the world, and appoints anyone he desires to rule over them, so what's the lesson, he will put you in a pit. As a believer, till you learn the lesson that he rules over the world and over you. That's the Lord. He will do it. God's the one who sends the good, and God's the one who sends the evil. He's the one that does it. You want to blame the devil? Go ahead, but nothing the devil can do without God's permission to you. Look at verse 22. You are his successor. Oh, Belshazzar. And you knew all this. See, listen. He, he said to him, You knew all this. Yet you have not humbled yourself. How many Christians know the word of God, read the word of God, tell you to be humble, and still are full of pride and arrogance. And Phariseeism. Think they know more than everybody else. And when they know. Look at verse, now, before we go on, to 22, often. Kings would kill the bearers of bad news. If somebody told the king something bad, they'd kill him. But Daniel was unafraid and told the truth. He had been steadfast in living and telling the truth since his youth. Youth. Did I say you? <laughs> I had to. Had to put it in. <laughs> In this case, he knew Babylon would be overrun and Belshazzar would be killed. Daniel still used his opportunity to reveal the sin of Belshazzar and his companions, pointing them to God and urging them to humble themselves before him. Unlike Nebuchadnezzar, however, Belshazzar did not humble himself. We should tell the truth even when we face pressure to please others or conform. Like Daniel, we should be bold when we are in a position to speak against those who defy God's authority and lovingly point them to the saving grace of Jesus, even when it seems that they will not listen. Remember the book of Ezekiel? He told Ezekiel, You go tell them about me, But they're not going to listen. But you go tell them anyway, so they're without excuse. See, so when you tell somebody about Jesus, and then they reject it, now they're without excuse. They knew about it, they said, no, I don't want to believe it, I'm not a believer. So you know what happens to them, right? Hell is their home. They're going to hell. Anybody who doesn't believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, is going to hell. doesn't matter who it is, anybody. So it's up to us, right, to tell them about Jesus so they don't go to hell. We don't want anybody to go to hell. I don't want it. I wouldn't my worst enemy, especially my family. I want everybody to be a believer. Who wouldn't want God on their side anyway? Doesn't make any sense. You know why when somebody rebels against God? Because the devil is in them and has them. They're possessed. It's up to us to break that chain, let them see the light. The devil is controlling them. It's sad. Verse 23. Look what he's telling them now. For you have proudly defied the Lord of heaven and have had these cups from his temple brought before you. And your nobles and your wives and concubines have been drinking wine from them while praising gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, Wood and stone. Gods that neither see, nor hear, nor know anything at all. But you have not honored the God who gives you the breath of life and controls your destiny. What does God do? God gives everyone on the planet the breath of life. And he's the one that controls our destiny. That's pretty scary. Who wouldn't want the God of the universe on their side in this world today? All right. Before we go on, in verses 21 to 23, as king, Belshazzar would have known Babylonian history. So he was familiar with the story of how God had humbled Nebuchadnezzar. So he knew. Nevertheless, Belshazzar's banquet was a rebellious challenge to God's authority. He took the gold cups from God's temple and drank from them. No one who understands that the Most High God rules over the whole universe should be foolish enough to challenge Him. But there are. Look at verse 24. So God has sent this hand to write this message. Now before we go on, is a very important lesson I want to talk about. Dashazzas was using the gold cups from the temple for his party, okay? And God condemned him for this act. We must not use for sinful purposes what God has been ded- what has been dedicated to God. Today this would include church buildings, financial donations, and anything else that has been set apart for serving God be careful how you use what is God's There's people that are taking churches and turning them into hair salons and condominiums and Thinking that God is not going to is all right with that Destroying God's house. We were at a place. They actually made a winery out of the church They took everything out of there and made a winery out of it. So just imagine judgment is coming. Look at verse 25. This is the message that was written. Mene, mene, tekel, and parsin. This is what these words mean. Mene means numbered. God has numbered the days of your reign and has brought it to an end. Takel means weighed. You have been weighed on the balances and have not measured up. So they knew what the words meant. They just couldn't put it together into a prophecy. He's telling them exactly why he said those three words. Okay? Now listen, before we go on. The writing on the wall was a message for all those who defy God. Although Belshazzar had power and wealth, His kingdom was totally corrupt, and he could not withstand the judgment of God. God's time of judgment comes for all people. If you have forgotten God and slipped into a sinful way of life, turn away from your sin now before he removes the opportunity to repent. Ask God to forgive you and begin to live by his standards. This is the message he's talking to the church tonight. Can I get an amen? The third word, verse 28, parsin. The singular of parsin means divided. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Now, the Medes and Persians joined forces to overthrow Babylon. This event was predicted in the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had in Daniel chapter 2. It was represented in the statue's silver chest and arms. It was mentioned back then. See? Then look at verse 29. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was dressed in purple robes, a gold chain, and was hung around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar was killed, the Persians and Medes conquered Babylon in October 539 BC. In Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62, that very night after Daniel said that, killed dead. Do you realize people don't understand God, this is God's house right here. You take something out of God's house and think you're not going to be accountable for it? I don't know what people are thinking. See, everybody thinks that God's grace covers... Look, God gives us grace to repent and turn back. Like if somebody took something and brought it back, God's merciful and loves you. But if you took it and rebelled or whatever you do against the church, you're going to have to face judgment for it. People are turning churches into... They were going to turn this into a parking lot. This church would have ended up a parking lot if we didn't step in. If God didn't give us the power to walk through them doors. God said, no, we're not closing them doors. Amen. Who's strong enough to keep them open? Use me. We walked through the door. And they warned me. And they told me, do you know what you're up against? I said, I don't care what I'm up against. God is going to keep the doors open. We were up against millions of dollars in back in backbone t- to close this. The doors never closed. People don't realize what we had to go through to keep these doors open, and what we were up against—years and years of turmoil. They were trying to take this and shut it down. What did God use? He used one person that had the not the the. the the faith in God to keep the doors open, use me, and the door stayed open. He will keep all the church doors open if people would just do the same thing. They need more people to rise up and say, No. The one that was in here said, Oh, see you later. Yeah. Out the door. Yeah. This money's gone, see you later. Well, who said it was about money? See ya. And guess what? This church is going to flourish. And it's going to, have to teach truth. And it's going to bring the right people in and fill the pews. The people that want truth. Not just to fill the pews with people so it looks good. We want true followers of Jesus Christ in our church. Because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. We don't want people living in sin to come in, to continue living in sin. We want people with repentant hearts that want to learn about God and turn from their evil ways. Amen? And if that's not going to happen, one at a time he'll send them. True believers. And the ones that ain't, the doors will be open and they'll walk out the other way. But the true believers will remain. Amen? There's true believers, and there's make-believers and deceivers in the church. The wheat and the weeds grow together. Just because people come to church don't mean they're going to heaven. People think because everybody's in church, they're all believers. It's not true. You'll know my people by their, the way they live. Big amen there, right? Well, guess what? We got a chance to break into Daniel chapter 6 tonight. Wow, that was powerful, huh? So let's read the writing on the wall. God speaking to us tonight. He's saying, don't play with me. Either you're a believer or you're not a believer. Don't test me. Time is short. Once the window closes, trust me, when God shuts the window and closes the door, there's not one other single person that can be saved. That's why it's so important for the people for us to get as many people into the kingdom as we can because the time is short. Amen. All right, verse six, chapter 6, Daniel in the lions' den. Okay, let's break into this. Everybody with me so far? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I got hard in my forehead. I'll tell you that, boy. To get, to get to where we are today, boy, it took a lot. It took a lot of. Uh, Thank you, Jesus. Right. Yeah. The Bible says the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Yeah. Not interested in the money. A hired hand runs when he sees evil coming, or that there's no money left. See ya. We don't get church we don't make church a profession yeah. we make church we make church we serve god because he calls us to do it not to get paid people say well, i'm going to go to bible cousin, and i'm going to become a priest god says who says that who said that i called you to do that he says you want to come you want to be a, you want to want to serve me I'm going to show you what it's like to suffer for my namesake. He took the apostle Paul, knocked him off his high horse, went to Bible college all his life, and what? Stripped him of all that. And said, now I'm going to teach you what it's cost to serve me. That's what it takes. To forget about what the world teaches you and learn what the word teaches you through your life. Amen. And then you have something to help people with. Because you're using it through your life, not through a book. Big amen there, right? Mm -hmm. And boy, does he, believe me, does he take me through life. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. But I'll tell you what. There's no greater reward than to be in the will of God. And to be doing what he calls us to do. There's no greater reward, no matter all the sleepless nights and all the, all, the, all the heartache and the pain always running with the devil Amen. and ending up dead because we're going to end up alive. Amen. The road we're on we're ending up alive. Hallelujah. Everybody who rejects Jesus is going to the road of death. They just don't see it yet. But we already know where they're going to end up. No, Anybody who doesn't believe in Jesus mm-hmm. death. Everyone who does, life everlasting. Amen. <laughs> what would you choose? Imagine if you put it that way, say, would well, you rather die or live? Accept Jesus and live, reject him and die. That's pretty much basically what it means. Those who reject Jesus die, spiritually and physically. Those who accept Jesus live spiritually and physically. All right, pretty cool, right? You make the choice. Nobody can make the choice for you. All right, Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators in high offices. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. When God has his hand on you, you will succeed in everything that you do. Who does he remind you of, Daniel? Remember way back Joseph Joseph? Same idea, right? God placed them second in command in Egypt. We're talking about foreigners now. Daniel wasn't, wasn't, a, wasn't, a, um, wasn't from there. God, when God's got his hand on you, it don't matter where you are. He's going to take care of you. All right, now, before we close, this will be the last one. Verses 1 and 3. At this time, Daniel was over 80 years old at this time. He was a kid when he went in there, okay? And one of Darius's top three administrators. Daniel was working with those who did not believe in his God, but he worked more efficiently and capable than all the rest. Thus, he attracted the attention of the pagan king and earned a place of respect. Just living a godly life will give you respect down here, even to unbelievers. That's what he's talking about here. We can influence non-Christian employers by working diligently and responsibly. How well do you represent God at your place of employment? How well do you represent God at your employer? I know I'll tell you what, I represent them wherever I, doesn't matter what anybody does to me. When I'm there, I get there to do what I gotta do and I help everybody. Doesn't matter whether they like me or not. I help everybody, and I don't get into gossiping and talking about anybody or slandering anybody because why? Because I don't want it done to me. Do unto others as you would have God do unto you. How about an amen there? So what do I do? I shut my mouth, and I go to work, and I get paid to do what I get hired to do. And then when somebody needs help, I go help them. And guess what? The rest of the shop is doing the same thing now. Before they were all picking at everybody. Now we're all helping each other. Now we've got a great team. All it takes is one. One good apple and you bring them all in to do the right thing. Because it's the right thing to do. Amen? And guess what? By doing that it makes my job a heck of a lot easier than everybody coming up against me. Amen? So that's the way it goes. All right, we're going to end there. We're going to close there. Dave, you want to come up and close us? And then we're going to do a video. We left off, we're going to pick up at verse four.
2: All right, what a awesome message tonight. Humbling and inspiration all at the same time. Super, I mean, great message. Thank you, Lord, for this time to allow us to step out of the world and into your house to gather together with like-minded believers and receive this awesome message tonight. So grateful and thankful to you for this church and this congregation, Lord. I just pray that you can touch our hearts with what we learn here to be able to use it and apply it to our lives each day, Lord. And I pray that you give us the strength to Come to you for everything so we can humbly and patiently just wait on you to guide our lives, Lord. Just pray, for, continue to pray for this congregation, Lord. If anybody's sick or not feeling well, Lord, you can just reassure them, touch their hearts, and never leave them or forsake them, that you always be there with them. It's truly freeing, Lord, to know that even not if, but when we do slide back into the things of this world, that you'll be there. With uh, grace and mercy to lift us up and get us back on track, Lord. And I just pray all this in your Son's name. Jesus, amen. Amen.
1: amen. All right. Thanks, right. God.
2: All right. I'm going to watch a video.
1: Close.